Hello and welcome to the Sick Podcast, Giants Central, the sickest New York Giants podcast on the planet, in the universe, it don't matter. Welcome to episode 24, back-to-back victory Mondays for the Giants. And honestly, there could be some trouble brewing for Brian Dable and Wink Martindale despite this win. Let's get into it. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast, Giants Central. Incomplete, and the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. The sickest New York Giants podcast. It's gonna be sick. All right, y'all. There's so much to be thankful for at this time of year. Friends, family, food. And NFL football all week long. And DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping your Thanksgiving week full of action, of course. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NFL and score $150 instantly in bonus bets. No matter your appetite, there's always something for you. Money lines, parlays, props, live bets, and so much more. You name it, they got it. So download this DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 6sports. New customers can bet just 5 on the NFL Thanksgiving action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code 6sports. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or if you're or if you're in New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. But with that out of the way, I got to say, a win is a win, don't get me wrong. But boy, that might have been the one of the ugliest games I've ever watched from a pure like football standpoint. Uh, another one, of course, in which the Giants won strictly because of their defense. Uh, I will talk about the defense, obviously, but first we're going to get into the offense. I got to say, Tommy DeVito looks solid again, continuing to really impress me for being an uh, undrafted guy out of Illinois. Made a lot of throws that we haven't even really seen Daniel Jones attempt which is obviously very worrisome because Daniel Jones is a quote-unquote $40 million quarterback and consistently relies on check-down passes and making the easy play as opposed to what could be a game-winning play or game-changing play. I will say Tommy DeVito wasn't perfect. He still develops plays and processes defenses like a toddler, but we're going to take things one step at a time. I'm The expectations were very low (laughs) for uh, Tommy Salami here making his first couple of starts. And he's definitely surpassed all of them by far finish this game, completing 17 to 25 passes for 191 yards and one touchdown continuing to really play mistake free football. He's thrown six touchdowns and one interception in three starts, which like is better than a lot of quarterbacks statistically, statistically have played like this season, like Zach Wilson, I'm pretty sure. in all the games Zach Wilson has played, he's thrown less touchdowns than Tommy DeVito has in three, which is like (laughs) really funny and kind of goes to show how uh, bad things are. in the uh, other New York team, Um, I'm not saying like Tommy DeVito is like the future at quarterback, even with how good he's playing. But again, for like a UDFA out of Syracuse and Illinois, that was on the practice squad all season long with no expectations. He 
has probably earned like a pretty long career if he keeps this up of course a pretty long career as a backup whether it's with the Giants or another team and this is something I learned today when Tommy DeVito signed to the active roster of the Giants apparently it was a three-year like your base rookie deal which is not something I really expected them to really give DeVito unless maybe it's like the NFL guideline for what you have to give to a rookie that you signed to the active roster regardless anyways but even with how well Tommy DeVito has been playing Brian Dable did not commit to him starting coming out of the bye week because the Giants have a bye week this week and I believe they play I can't remember off the top of my head who they play a week after um anyways he didn't he didn't commit to Tommy, which is weird because Tyrod should be coming back, but the Giants are two and one when Tommy starts and he probably isn't better than Tyrod. It feels kind of disrespectful to bench him. Like the kid's been put through kind of like hell. The offensive line isn't good. The weapons aren't great, even though he's honestly making them look good. Um, And it's the same kind of issues that the Giants have been dealing with for a while now, and he's played well. He's played very well for his expectations and, again, has led the Giants to two wins in a row. So to bench him for Tyrod, who is good, like he's a good quarterback. He was playing very well when he was called up after Daniel Jones got hurt. To bench him for Tyrod, just it feels disrespectful, especially for the kind of like franchise the Giants are which is something I'm going to get into probably next week of like the way fans are talking about the Giants and I don't think they fully understand the kind of team that the Giants really are because it's a lot of the younger fans I say that as I'm only 20 a lot of the younger fans who are complaining about stuff that has to do with like tanking anyways so back back to this game back to the back to the offense Jalen Hyatt had his best game of his career Finally was like given a premier role in the offense, which has to do probably a lot with Darius Slayton missing this game due to an arm injury he had uh, against the commanders. And he didn't disappoint. He had five catches for 109 yards and no other receiver on the Giants had more than 30 receiving yards. And something that really impressed me that I like to see from him was that not only was he used like as the deep threat he was drafted for. But he had some nice, like, he had a couple of nice, like, intermediate yard catches. Like, I think he had, like, a nice, like, 10-yard hitch route with a defender all over him, caught it. And for, again, like, the expectations he had of just being, like, a deep threat, that's what he was at Tennessee, and that's why he fell to the third round. Because if you know, he was kind of projected to go, like, late first, very early second because he put up some pretty absurd numbers at Tennessee, but people were watching film and came to the conclusion that he was really only a deep threat, which like that's how he was used. But it was kind of evident that like he had flashes of what could be more. And the giants at times have been, have been using that, but a lot of the times they haven't been because he hasn't even been on the field as much as he should be because the giants need a dynamic playmaker. And while Wandale can be that at times, Jalen Hyatt makes game-changing plays like he did against the Cardinals in week two, like he did multiple times this game as well. And I really hope that regardless of whether or not Darius Slayton uh, misses, uh, misses extended time, I really hope they keep giving Hyatt the ball because every time he's been targeted, almost every time he's been targeted, almost every time he's been on the field, it's led to success for the offense. And that's something I really hope that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable kind of start to notice as the weeks go on uh Saquon Barkley 
didn't really have much of a great game, which I mean, I, in a weird way is kind of to be expected, even with how good Tommy DeVito is playing teams are basically going to be at the mindset of, I would rather lose to Tommy DeVito. I'd rather make Tommy DeVito have to make tough decisions and difficult throws than let Saquon Barkley beat us. Like Saquon is the obvious guy in the Giants offense. He's the only consistent guy in the Giants offense. And he just, he couldn't get anything going because especially against a team like the Patriots, they're a smart defense and they know they're going to know when the Giants are running. They're going to know based off of formations and stuff. And they kind of just did a really good job at stacking the box and shutting him down. And something I saw that was really weird during this game is that not only did Saquon get 12 carries, which is tied for a season low, he was also on and off the field a good bit, which kind of makes me question if he was hurt. I remember uh, the sideline reporter after halftime had like asked Brian Dable about that. And Dable said something along the lines of, if Saquon wants to rest, if he wants out, we're letting him out, which again kind of falls back to me maybe thinking he could be hurt. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops uh, into the bye week and after the bye week. The offensive line overall, I will say, wasn't terrible. They weren't good. Uh, they were not good against the run or in the run at all. I'll get that out of the way. They were really bad despite the Patriots uh stacking the box and doing a very good job at containing Saquon. They overall just weren't very good as run blockers. Pass protection, though, was pretty solid. I will say people are going to freak out about Tommy DeVito taking six sacks, but like watching the games, a lot of it is, again, goes back to Tommy DeVito's ability to process plays, and it takes so long, and even in the pocket, like outside of his ability to process plays, his, like, he's not very aware in the pocket. Like it's kind of an issue that Daniel Jones even has for being a $40 million quarterback is that he often gets lost in the pocket where he's just not really, I don't want to say not paying attention, but not, he doesn't have good pocket presence is what I'm trying to say. Um, and something I also noticed this game, Andrew Thomas had a lot of moments where he's getting up, getting up after play slowly limping off the field. And this isn't a surprise because as we learned during last week, he suffered a sprained MCL against the Commanders, and yet the Giants are still playing him. Why they haven't shut him down for the year, I don't understand. I've, I've been very, like, not anti-tank, but, like, I don't care because at the end of the day, I want to see my team win games. But, like, the team was, like, not good, but there wasn't, like, a super no noticeable gap with and with with Andrew Thomas on the field and with him off. To the point where, like, if you have to shut him down for his health, that's the best move. He already missed almost the entire season because of a hamstring injury. And knee ligaments aren't something to mess with. So keeping him around with a sprained MCL is just silly to me. I, I kind of hope that they shut him down. I don't want to see him suffer a really serious injury. Overall, for the Giants offense, for playing a really good defense in the Patriots against a really smart head coach and Bill Belichick, they managed to score the ball, which for this unit is saying a lot. And I'm honestly, I don't know how they won this game. But actually, no, I do know how they won this game because that brings me to my next point of the defense. And holy shit, man, they played really well. One of the best games, if not the best game all year from the defense, forced three interceptions and held the Patriots just 136 passing yards. Mac Jones is something I tweeted about and was like talking about with people I know. Mac Jones is a lot worse than I thought. <laughs> like, I haven't watched too many Patriots games, but I always saw with him that it was like, oh, 
his offensive system isn't great. The line's been struggling. His weapons are like Juju Smith Schuster and I don't even know. Uh do they have Mike? They do have Mike Jacecki now. And Mike Jacecki. Um, so yeah, you know, maybe he's just not as bad as people thought. No, he's bad. He is really bad. He pocket pocket awareness is bad. He makes a lot of bad reads. He panics a lot in the pocket. A lot of issues I like when I was talking about Sam Howell, they both make very similar issues. I'm not going to go over much film this game period, let alone the interceptions, because especially with the interceptions, there's not much to go over. They two of them went right into the hands of Giants defenders of uh, Bobby Okereke and Deontay Banks, just bad throws. And I will say there was one that was more of a nice read from a Giants defender, that being Xavier McKinney. And even then, Bailey Zapp just kind of stared his receiver down the entire play and McKinney read it, followed it, got his first interception in like two years now, which is crazy to think considering that 2020 season he had where he had like five and only a certain amount of weeks and all that. Um, Bobby Okereke is continuing to make his name as one of the best linebackers in the league. Like he was always like above average to average with the Colts. This year he's making the jump and it has a lot to do with the system he's being put in. And they kind of were talking about it on the broadcast of, as opposed to playing a lot of zone with the Colts, which is why like his coverage numbers weren't that great. The giants put him in man to where he's now shooting gaps on the run. He's he's covering people one-on-one on defense, which is where he really excels because he's a very fast and agile mover and it's paid off. He had eight tackles, two pass deflections, and an interception this game. And on the season, he's now up to 113 tackles, two interceptions, four forced fumbles, and nine tackles for loss. He's the 14th ranked linebacker in the league, according to PFF, which is honestly a little lower than he probably should be. In my opinion, I really think he's been a top 10 linebacker in the league. And by that, I mean like he's in that eight to 10 range. Like he's top 10, but he's not like, much more than like top seven ish. Uh, I really think he could be in line to make his first career pro bowl. There's definitely going to be like, they're definitely going to vote like Bobby Wagner in because he's looked fine and he's, you know, a legacy vote basically. Um, And really I was looking at like PFF numbers and all that. The only other linebacker I feel like is like a lock to make it over him in the NFC is uh, Fred Warner and Fred Warner is the best linebacker in all football. So obviously, um, another guy who just keeps proving me to be right is Xavier McKinney, who not only had a great game, but is just continuing to really prove my point that the Giants should retain him. He had 10 tackles, two pass deflections, and an interception, continues to be all over the field in pass coverage and against a run, and he is really valuable. He does he does a lot of things, especially in pass coverage that aren't going to pop up in the stat sheet. Because teams don't like throwing to him. Obviously, I, there was actually like a big article on like why teams aren't really throwing it deep anymore, which is just kind of like a league-wide thing. So it's not like it's just because of Xavier McKinney. But still, like if the Giants had bad safeties, they'd be throwing it deep more. Kind of like when Xavier McKinney was out last year and that started happening. Now he's back on the field, has been healthy all year, and the Giants haven't really had too many big-time pass plays thrown to them. Maybe some yards after catch, but like in terms of pure deep plays, the only ones I can think of happened against like the Dolphins, and then 
uh, the the end of the Jets game, but that was not because of that was not because of Xavier Kinney. That was because of Adore Jackson. Um, regardless, he's been very valuable, and I really don't think it's worth resetting and taking the gamble on a second or third round safety when you have a very clearly talented guy right here that you can resign for really not that much money, especially when you take a look at how much money and cap space the Giants are going to have over the next two years. Um, that's really all I have on McKinney. He's just, he, he looks good. He's a, he's a captain. He, he does a lot for the giants and I really don't understand the whole narrative around wanting to let him walk. Uh, speaking of like a leader, shout out Jihad Ward. He hasn't done much this season, like at all, aside from like yell at people and be again, a good leader, but he had a sack and a half and five tackles. And the way he's looked better than Aziz Ojolari recently is really concerning. Aziz has done like nothing all year long and it's really worrying me he's like basically prior to the season whenever Aziz Ojolari was on the field he was making an impact like he missed a lot of games last year but I think he still had like five and a half six acts through seven games which is like really efficient and now I don't even know if he has a sack this year he, he's missed games like don't get me wrong but like even when on the field he's not doing anything like he used to which makes me think that like if the Giants are at a quarterback range, like, you know, Caleb May, Caleb May, Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, Jaden Daniels. I don't want to say Bo Nix. I really, if the Giants, if the Giants draft Bo Nix, I might have to consider my life choices. Um, Anyways, if if they're at a quarterback range, I could very easily see them taking an edge rusher. I saw uh, what, what was it? Tankathon had us taking the guy from UCLA who I personally like a lot. I think his last name is Laya too. I don't, I can't remember his first name off the top of my head. He looks really good. I know he has medical concerns of where like he was almost forced to medically retire before transferring to UCLA. But I think he's had like two or three seasons now where he's played just about every game and has looked incredible in all of those games. So like, that's not something I'm really worried about. Kayvon Thibodeau looked really good too. He was a little quiet in the first half, but once the second half came around, he got credited for half a sack on one of Jihad Ward's plays, which brings him up to 11. He's now around, I think, eighth in the league in sacks, just continuing to prove everyone who was doubting him at the beginning of the season wrong. Deontay Banks, another young Giants guy, had a great game. I think he only allowed like three catches for 29 yards on seven targets. Had an interception, second of his career. Talked a lot of shit like he normally does. I will say one negative I noticed is that the run defense was really bad, but I kind of attribute that to more of uh, the absence of Dexter Lawrence. He's been probably the most dominant defensive lineman this season, if not the most dominant defensive player, period. So obviously losing him is going to be a big blow, despite how solid guys like Ashawn Robinson and Raheem Nunez Roches are. It's just, there was a really good defensive game. The offense made for really unwatchable football, but at least in almost every game, the Giants have had bad offense. Their defense has made up for it. And speaking of defense and offense, Brian Dable and Wake Martindale are reportedly beefing. According to Jay Glazer, before he said this before the game, there's a lot of tension going on between Brian Dable and Wake Martindale, which like even as a fan watching from home and like some of the things I've heard from within the Giants, like this is pretty obvious. But something that Jay Glazer said that's kind of thrown a lot of reporters for loops is that he said it could lead to Wink Martindale resigning, which would be like a big blow for the Giants. I will say a lot of the team's reporters have been going back and forth. Jordan Renan, who really isn't my favorite, like I respect the shit out of Jordan Renan. He 
he does know what he's talking about. I just think he can be a little too pessimistic at times. He's been really adamant on apparently how he's seen this all season long, but no one else has. So like, I'm not really going to go too crazy about that. I honestly, like I trust a word of guys like Dan Duggan more just because they're, they're very unbiased. Um, regardless though, like I, there's been tension. I like we've all seen it, but I don't think it's that bad. I really don't think it's to the point where Wink could walk away after the season. At least I really hope because I had a lot of criticism for Wink early on in the season and last year, but he's done a really good job this year. He's turned guys like Micah McFadden and, and uh, Jason Pinnock into genuine starters. Like Jason Pinnock, I think was undrafted. Micah McFadden's a fifth round linebacker. Both of those guys made massive leaps this season. He changes it. This is, this is my favorite part about Wink Martindale. Cause like the giants, I've been blessed to watch like uh, Steve Spagnuolo for like almost my whole life, like coach of giants defense. Um, but a lot of the times when I'm watching other teams, they stick with the same defense, no matter what, which is not how teams should be coached. Wink does not do that. Wink changes his game plan according to whatever quarterback the giants are playing, which again, isn't something you always see guys do like against Sam Howell. He really against not even just Sam Howell, like inexperienced quarterbacks, like Zach Wilson, uh, Sam Howell. Mac Jones, he really dials up uh, creative blitzes to confuse the shit out of them because he knows that they can't make reads as opposed to when they're playing a more top tier quarterback. He really kind of softens up on the blitz and really plays more conservatively, which is just great. Patrick Graham, who I think was good for the Giants, is he didn't do that. He was always like, bend but don't break, and it wasn't always the best for the team. Whatever. Wink overall has done a really good job. I would really hate to see him go. And honestly, if this all ends up being true and Wink does resign, it's going to be a pretty bad look for Brian Dable. Overall, I'm really interested to see how really the rest of the season pans out, not only for the sake of the tank, quote unquote, but this new this newfound coaching situation. But with that being said, I'm going to wrap things up here. Thank you all so much for watching. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Click that notification bell so you're reminded every time we drop a new episode. Thank you all again for watching, of course, and I will see y'all in the next one. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast, Giant Central, on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.